Although you're the radio professional, maybe you should be. <laughs> not at all. I definitely would not say I'm a radio professional. People think that Silicon Valley is shaking in their shoes at the thought of a Trump presidency. 98% of big tech money went to Hillary Clinton, leaving only a tiny fraction for President-elect Trump. We know with any administration, Republican or Democrat, that we're going to have numerous areas of common ground. Welcome to Day to Day, your guide to digital journalism from Interactives. I'm Luke Barrett. And I'm Bridie Pearson-Jones. And today, we're going to be discussing what tech companies can or should be doing to resist Donald Trump. Uh, this is in relation to a story published by The Intercept a few days ago um, about how... Uh, about basically Trump's Muslim database, which he has spoken a number of times about his desire to create a database of all Muslims in the US. And The Intercept questioned various tech companies on whether or not they would help Trump to create this database. And other than Twitter, which has an explicit policy never to help governments with surveillance, no tech company was willing to say that they would refuse. Yeah, uh, I think you've pretty much you've done a really good summary there. Um, Thanks very much. <laughs> I've been doing this for uh, two whole episodes. Yeah, <laughs> nice. No, so it is a just kind of brings up a really interesting point. So they asked eight tech companies, and Twitter was the only one that explicitly said no. I think it's worth noting nobody actually said yes, we would, but a lot of people just didn't give a direct answer or declined to comment or didn't reply at all. Um, yeah, we've got the full answer from Microsoft, which was the only company other than Twitter to reply, which said, we're not going to talk about hypotheticals at this point, and then links to a company blog post, which just sort of said some stuff about diversity and inclusivity and protecting privacy, but yeah, it's all quite vague. It's a lot of sort of just kind of buzzwords, I think, around sort of, we're, we're good people. Yeah, which I actually think reflects what the tech company's general attitude towards these issues are. But I think we'll we'll get onto that a little later. Yeah, so I think the kind of the main question we want to ask is, you know, this is probably Trump's, one of Trump's most controversial policies, um, should the tech companies be doing anything to resist him? And if so, what? Um, or is it not their place at all? Yeah, well, personally, I think if there is anything to be done, the only, re the only way that authoritarian governments are resisted is if institutions refuse to participate in their plans. And I think that tech companies are one of the largest, most important institutions in, in the world at the moment, yeah, especially in America. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess in a way it kind of reflects the question with any big business, to what extent should they be involved in politics? Um, but it is very interesting with, um, with tech link companies and kind of their role within digital journalism now and how, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's been called the most powerful editor in the world. Yeah. Um, so how 
so much of what we read and consume now is online and the extent that places like Google and Facebook and Twitter are having that. So well, it's, it's where we live now. It's not, just, you know, it's not just the media, is it? Um, yeah. Um, I think we can talk about this from a wider sense. And as you said, it kind of links in with the discussion that we've had on a previous podcast about uh, the rise of fake news. Um, and there's there's been some recent analysis by data journalist Jonathan Albright, uh, who wrote a Medium post about this, which we'll link to in the description. Um, he found that so he, he was looking at some of these fake news stories that have um, have come to, to everyone's attention as a result of the US election and their backing of Trump. And obviously, Facebook has come in for the most loud criticism for all of this. Um, but Jonathan Albright actually found that. So, yeah, 60 percent of traffic coming to these news sites, that fake and, and also hyper biased ones, was coming from facebook and twitter um but the remaining four percent was actually organic so it was direct website visits peer-to-peer -peer shares text instant messaging subscription e-newsletters rss and crucially search engines um which is, is still like as anybody who's looked at analytics and news websites know is a huge part of how people yeah. find stories um <clears throat> all about that that seo yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, it is a really kind of interesting point. What role should those companies play? I mean, is it their place? You know, anyone can post anything on Facebook. At what point is it Mark Zuckerberg's role to say, no, that's fake or that's racist or that's bigoted? We shouldn't have that. Um, it's difficult. Um, and I think Google's... so. Firstly, I think just to really frame this problem completely, um, I mean we've all seen these like stories that have happened, they've been going on for ages, um, but again, like it's come up in the news. You you type in like are Jews in <laughs> Google search engine, and the first prediction will be are Jews evil, which is horrifying. If you you type in are Muslims, first prediction is are Muslims bad, uh, yeah. and not only that, but Nine out of ten of the first results for our Jews evil are saying that they are evil. That's yeah, that's really Just horrifying. Horrifying, but I mean, is is that Google being racist, or is that because society is racist? Um, sorry, a bit of an unfortunate truth there, but I mean, the way the Google algorithm protected it maybe works is you know it responds to things so. The top search result is, you know, what people are searching. So if a lot of people are searching, are Muslims bad, are Jews evil? Um, then that's what. Then will pop that's up. what will pop up. But that, should they should they then stop that? Yeah, I think. Well, I think this is a big question, and Google is that's obviously Google's main defence that they're just reflecting the plurality of views that exist on the internet. So Albright's research shows that many of the like the, the position in the search engine rankings of these sites, um, sites like South Front, like Drudge Report, Liberty Talk, WorldTruth.org, they all link to each other and give each other referrals, and so then that's what and that, those that boosts are all their the traffic. Sort of Alt-right sites. Yeah, the sites that post fake news or incredibly biased stories. Yeah. Um, 
and to some extent they're basically gaming Google's algorithm. Um, so I suppose you could you could argue that Google is just reflecting society, but also it's important to recognize that this is a deliberate attempt by websites like this to try and get to the top of the algorithm. And also, when Google is predicting something that you're going to search, it's not necessarily that you click on it because you're like, oh yeah, that is what I was going to write. You just see it and you think, oh yeah, okay, well, that's not what I was going to write, but I'll have a look at that anyway. Yeah, or that's close enough, yeah, or that yeah. looks interesting, yeah. So there is a, um, a normative effect of Google putting these questions in, which actually compounds the problem, because the more people that type are Jews, just initially, and then see are Jews evil, will click on it, and then that means that the, that will pop up more. more. Yeah, it's kind of a self-fulfilling uh, fallacy, if you like. And also, a lot of things, not necessarily uh, racist in terms of a sort of racial bias in the same way it says something like Muslims or a bad, but things like if you search very sort of racially neutral terms, I guess, like woman, man, child, nose, face, um, and into Google Images, the overwhelming majority in the first sort of 20, 50 images are of white people. And there was the famous one um, that was Vined. Um, rest in peace, Vine. Mm-hmm. Um, of, you know, if you search three black teenagers, you get pictures of, uh, you know, black teenagers doing crime or, or lineups or, you know, sort of convict photos. And if you search three white teenagers, you get stock photos of them, you know, doing sport or the kind of things you see Eating in the university. Eating a quinoa salad. Exactly, yeah, the kind of things you see in the prospectus. So, um... But I think that might be an example. Like, I think I'm I'm kind of okay with saying that that is just reflecting society and that, you know, advertisers are more happy, like, that advertisers want white people in their adverts because they're racist. Like, it's, it's hard to put Google on yeah. line for that. No, that's true. And I think you can never sort of put the pressure on one company alone or even sort of eight companies in the case of the original intercept piece to say sort of okay google you're a very powerful company so it's your responsibility alone to tackle um all of the issue all of society's racism but you read a piece uh, didn't you which was arguing something sort, sort of like that uh, about how tech companies can resist Trump. yeah um so this is a piece written by uh, Sonia Katow, who's a professor of law at the University of California in Berkeley. Sorry, the Un- University of Berkeley <laughs> in California. Um, <laughs> and um, Simon C. Ross, who is a program uh, chief officer at Tech Techonomy, which is just a big sort of tech website. And it is kind of saying that, you know, these pa- companies are powerful and it kind of the little things they can do, the little things all businesses can do, but in particular tech to kind of combat things like racism and anything else that may come with a Trump presidency. Um, you know, and kind of traditionally, tech companies are very liberal um, and have been kind of front runners in this kind of thing. So uh, a few years ago, Facebook launched that uh, you could, there were 50 different uh, self identifying gender terms on. Uh, that you can identify as on Facebook and 
Google, uh, the day after Trump was elected, said that they really support transgender rights. So I think things like that. But then there's a lot of that sort of just uh, symbolic and just a bit, you know, they yeah. they can make a statement, but what difference does it really make? Yeah, yeah. Because I think like, so things like giving you 50 gender options to choose from, I mean, that, that probably does have a tangible effect on people's lives. But a lot of it, I think, has been accused by various sources as of pinkwashing, i.e. using support for LGBTQ issues to kind of cover the fact that you're like a corporate giant um, and like somehow shut off criticism of your other activities. Um, and I think, for example, um, Facebook still has serious problems with like people changing their names, which is quite important if you're transgender. Right, of course, yeah. Um, and then there's the whole controversy over female nipples I mean when when does a nipple become unacceptable during a transgender person's transition I've no idea yeah um, and I think um Instagram which is obviously owned by Facebook has had that a lot and even often things like um it's been the you know more sort of traditionally attractive thinner women have um you know been able to post pictures scantily clad whereas you know sort of people who've done it as a body positivity thing have had it taken down yeah which is a really sort of interesting look at you know i guess we can question why that is um yeah well, i think surely instagram as well itself is like pretty hard to foster body positivity on um, but anyway, I think that's probably yeah. That's a whole other debate, a whole, a whole other discussion <laughs> that that we will have maybe. Um, but I think you know that, that's pretty much all we've got time for anyway. But uh, some interesting points definitely. And if the tech industry wants to turn up to the fight against Trump, I suppose that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we can. T- we should take anything we can get in. Yeah. Yeah. In stopping. Trump, well, Trump's thanks, racist policies. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, thanks to Poddington Bear for our soundtrack. And <laughs> find us on iTunes, listen to us on SoundCloud. Check out interactives.com for some more great hashtag yeah. content. will be um, lots of great hashtag content over the Christmas period, I think. Oh, now, definitely. Now, Christmas related digital journalism. Yeah. You yeah. Mince pie consumption in data or something like that. Oh, I'd love to see a visual, like, nice little visualization of a mince pie. Mince pie chart. Nice. On that, on, on that, that, I'm leaving it. <laughs> <laughs>